Thank you, Viren, and thank you, Shada. Now is our time for our sermon, and I think our sermon is going to be delivered by Ian, and um, Ian's here from Flame. Thank you, Ian. Well, good morning, St. Christopher's. How are we doing after an hour's lie-in? That's for everybody who hasn't got children, of course, who've got no idea that they're allowed to lie in an extra hour than they already have. Um, so I just pray that you'll be blessed today. Um, so just, uh, my name is Ian Fall, and I uh, work now for Flame International. And uh, Flame International are a charity, a missionary charity, that go into places that have experienced trauma through war, genocide, and terror. And we take God's love for healing and deliverance into those circumstances and situations. Can I just in, uh, introduce you to the, uh, the team who are with me? So we have my wife, Sandra. If Sandra will rock, stand and wave. There we go. And we also have Ian and Helen Falls, who, uh, who are with us today. And Ian and Helen are actually off to South Sudan on Monday for a two-week mission out there uh, with Flame International. So we're so blessed that they can come and spend time uh, with us today. If you want to know more about the work of Flame, you can receive our three yearly magazine called Burning Issues. There are some copies of the back for you to take away. And there is a form here uh, along with that to fill out and just sort of say, yes, I'd like to receive one of those. And if you want to fill one of those out by the, uh, at the end of the service, they're on the table at the back there, I'll quite happily take those away. We also have a discipleship training program called The Forge. And some of the teaching that was done yesterday, we want to train and equip people, equip the saints for works of service, to be able to go out in community uh, and also maybe to go on mission with us. And so there's information about our discipleship training program called The Forge here uh, at the back there. And just a last little notice, uh, we've actually got an online training course looking at the fear of the Lord that starts on Monday the 14th. So if you're going to the PCCU, you're going to miss out on that. But you can uh, sort of look at the recordings. And my friend Tristan is actually running that. And there's a, there's a couple of leaflets at the back if you want to sign up for that. That's just for the three weeks of the 14th, the 21st, and the 28th, if my maths is any good. There we go. So that's just a brief introduction as to who we are. Uh, I was... Um, in full-time Christian ministry for 21 years and began this new role with Flame uh, uh, in June. So here we are, we're, we're, and this is just a great privilege for me to be able to come and speak to you. Let's just pray, shall we? Father, we thank you that as we gather together, it's you that we need to see and hear. It's your word, it's your life, it's your empowerment, it's your church, it's for your glory. And so we say, come, Lord Jesus, upon us now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So a lot of what I'm going to be talking about today is actually looking at those amazing scriptures uh, from Luke and also from Isaiah 61. And I'm aware that Isaiah 61 has got a very special place in the heart and life of this church here. It's kind of like one of those foundational scriptures, as it is for Flame International. That is our mandate. It was Jesus's, um, if you like, his, uh, his manifesto, one that we trust and actually worked with, one that you can actually say, yes, he actually went out and did that. But one of the things I want to focus on uh, this morning is that idea that Jesus came to set the captives free and to release those who are in bondage. 
And just to focus in on one of those things that we found as we go around into the countries that we minister to, places like South Sudan and Armenia and Pakistan, uh, we also minister to the persecuted church who come over from closed countries into places like Istanbul. The one of the major things that we find is about forgiveness. And it's one of our major teachings. Because when we get this, then actually the Lord would really work through it in amazing and incredible ways. So in order to understand what forgiveness is, first and foremost, maybe we need to understand what it isn't. Because I think there's a lot of confusion around what forgiveness is. Now, let me ask you a question. This is interactive. You're allowed to speak out. This is okay. There's another word associated with forgiveness because people say that you are to forgive and... Okay, is that possible? You may well have been told, if you've been hurt by somebody, you just need to forget it. Forget it ever happened. But your minds and my minds don't work like that. Now, back when I was a child, it was a long time ago, one of the toys that you could get was an Etch-a-Sketch. Do you remember those? Where, for, for, the, for the younger people going, what, uh, what? And it was the height of technology. You had two little knobs that you, and you created this picture. And then you'd shake it, and the picture would disappear, and you could start again. And it keep keep hours of endless fun with it. Your mind does not work like that any more than mine does because when an event happens, particularly one that is associated with hurt and trauma, rather than being something that you forget, it's something that you relive time and time and time again. In fact, it, it visits you in places where perhaps you, you're just at a moment when you weren't really thinking about it and all of a sudden there it is, that thought is in your head. So the issue is not one, okay, we'll go away and pretend that didn't happen. It's actually, how is it possible for the Lord to take that memory and make it so that it no longer has control over you? So if you've ever been told to forgive and forget, as well-meaning as that was, I'm afraid it's nonsense, because we don't, because we remember things. So we're going to look at actually how the Lord can take these things. So let's think about what forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness is not pretending that you weren't hurt or weren't angry, or weren't impacted, or that it wasn't important. Because we have to acknowledge, before we can move forward, we need to understand and confront the issue, the fact that we have been hurt, we have been impacted. It has made us angry, and allow those things to actually sort of not be try and be buried. Because the more and more you try and bury something, actually it doesn't get better over time. Time is not a great healer even if we've heard that before. Actually, if we bury things and put them inside, what happens is they start to fester and become more of a problem internally to us. And what we need is to actually bring those things to the service. It's not saying that it's what happened to you. Forgiveness is not saying that what happened to you was, was okay. Because it jolly well wasn't. And again, maybe that, that's the idea that we think if we, forgive, if, we, if, we, if we forgive, it's basically giving that person the, the permission almost to say, well, what happened to us wasn't really that bad or it was okay. It wasn't. All of us at some point in our lives have experienced trauma or have been hurt in some way by somebody else. And maybe you've heard the fact that you, you and somebody said, you need to forgive. Well, we do, but we need to know why and how and know that this is a supernatural things 
So that is what forgiveness isn't. It's not that we don't take it seriously. It's not that we weren't hurt. It's not pretending it didn't happen. It's not trying to forget it. But the thing is, forgiveness is a supernatural thing. It is not something that we can do on our own. It, and so that's why we need to understand actually what Jesus did. Because Jesus came and gave himself on the cross to take into himself every terrible thing that we has happened to us so that we don't need to bear the weight of it. Sandra, could you just come and help me for a second? I just want to wonder if you could just come and do some reading for me or something like that. That would be, that'd be amazing. That's great. Okay. Ooh. Did you see that? Did you see that? Did you see what she's So why did I do that? Because when we don't forgive, what we do is that we give people rent-free access to our minds and emotions. And they have a control over us, and we, 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 it just keeps there. It keeps us in that, that place of bondage, doesn't it? And they, have, they, they don't think about, they're not necessarily purposely thinking about us in what they do, but we carry them around and what happens is we start to rise up in bitterness and we find ourselves in a self-made prison that we contain around us. And we think, I've got, to, I've got to do this. If I let go of this, it will mean that what they've done was okay. Or it means somehow we want to try and find a way of getting our own back. We want to try and find some way that we can actually have, have, have revenge or at least do something that makes it as equal as to what they did to us against them. And where's the problem with that? The problem with that is that we actually put ourselves in the place of God Almighty, who is the judge of all things. And we place ourselves in him. Who's ever prayed the Lord's Prayer? Oh, well, okay, you can put your hand up if you have. I'm sure you must have done it in this Anglican church. And what do we pray when we pray the Lord's Prayer every time? Forgive me our sin, forgive me my sin, as I forgive those who sin against me. Just pause for a moment. So in that moment, one of the ways of looking at that, we're actually asking God to, to, to treat us in the way that we treated other people. Now, I'm not saying that any of this is easy, because it isn't. But what I am saying is that, the, that God has provided a way through for us to be able to, to receive this and to be able to then move forward from it. What does, what does Jesus desire for us? Jesus' desire for us is that we find ourselves in a place of freedom and liberty, not bound by the things. And what forgiveness is, is coming to a place where that person or situation no longer has the grip over us or the control of us that it had previously. Okay, so I want us to think about, well, how do we do that then? What does that actually look like? Because there are symptoms that are attached to forgiveness, to unforgiveness, sorry. 
It is that that person, we're thinking about that person constantly, that feeling of anger and rage of pain carry on. We find ourselves rehearsing that speech that we're going to have uh, for that person. We imagine the things that we'd like to do for them. It might even impact upon our sleep because of what's gone on. So what is forgiveness? Forgiveness actually is surrendering to Jesus our right to judge someone else. It's giving that to him. It's saying, Lord, if I carry this around, all it does is it crushes me. It crushes the very life out of me. I can't seem to move forward from this place. So I freely and willingly make the choice and the decision to give this to you. And you hand over judgment. Because when we hold on to these things, what we're effectively saying is that we don't trust that God will do the right thing when it comes to judgment time at the end of times. And we want to apply our own judgment to it. And he is the judge. And there will be a time when all things will be made right. And there are two ways this happens. Either the person will pay themselves as they stand before, the Holy Father, before, before, before God the Father, or we look and we know that Jesus paid the price. Either way, nobody is getting away with anything. Nobody is let off the hook in that regard because either the person pays or, thank God, when we've come to him, Jesus bore it on the cross on our behalf. So let the Lord be the judge. Give that over to him. And how many times might we need to do that? Not, yeah, is it seven times seven, or is it 70 times seven, 490? That doesn't mean when you get to the 491st time that you go, oh, all right, now I've ticked off those things. No, this is, this, this is a process. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it takes time for us to be able to let these things go. And that's okay. You might even find yourself in a position where it's so, so hard that you need to pray the prayer, Lord, will you help me to be willing to be willing to forgive? It's the start of that process. But what we'll say is, it starts off as, a, as something that we, that we uh, choose to do. And over that time, as we allow God's healing to come into us, then we know that we find a place of release and peace. And true forgiveness really brings healing into our lives, into our bodies, and into our souls and our spirits. And we will know that time when we've come to a place of forgiveness because we will know that that person no longer has the control over us as they did before. Now I recognise, and I need to say that, that some people here might be in a situation where it's not a matter of the past, but it's a matter of the present and something that's ongoing. Now, in issues of safeguarding and in issues of that, you need to understand and know that when you release from the control of that person, then you're better placed to be able to make decisions as to around whether or not you need to stay in any close relationship with that person. What I would say is forgiveness takes one, reconciliation takes two. 
So we're not treating any of this lightly, but what this is about is you not being burdened and weighed down and crushed by that weight of unforgiveness and carrying that around with you. This is about being released into freedom and knowing the key to that is forgiveness as we come before God. And it releases out and we get rid of that emotional anger and the bitterness and the rage and the emotional pain that goes within us. There are another two aspects to forgiveness. One is, it may well be that you need to forgive yourself. And this is oftentimes those things, isn't it, that we, that we've, that we find ourselves in a place of difficulty or pain, and we look back and we think that we've made a mistake or we've hurt somebody else, or there's something that's gone on, and we, we, we carry that around like some kind of tra- chain like Marley's ghost out of, the Chris, out of the Christmas carol, thinking that we have to bear the weight of that. And the reality is, is that Jesus came and he bore that too on the cross for you. We carry the shame with us and it actually prevents us from bringing it to God and knowing the release that he has. There is not one thing that we have done or said or thought that has not been contended on the cross and dealt with there. There is nothing excluded No matter what we've done, where we've been, how we've been, everything was borne by him on the cross. That's what makes it such an amazing thing for what he did for us on the cross. So you may well need to come to a place where you ask God to forgive you for, 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 for you not forgiving yourself. There's something else. We might think that we, that, that we need to forgive God. Not that God has got anything that he needs forgiving of. But it might be that something happens to you within your life and actually you've blamed God for it. And that's a matter of us saying, Lord, I'm sorry that I thought that, that, that you were to blame for that. And to ask that forgiveness there too. I just want to tell a couple of stories because I think this is the way of us being able to engage with, um, with, with the forgiveness teaching and how this makes such a difference. <clears throat> I was on a mission in the Jordan and we were working with refugees from Iraq and from Syria. And there was this one man who came and his name was Wizam. Now, Wizam used to work for the, uh, the British and the, uh, the US Army as an interpreter and working alongside the, uh, when he was in Iraq. And when all of those troops and things withdrawn, a lot of people around uh, didn't want him around anymore and threatened to kill him. He, got, uh, he had his car blown up, uh, he had his house set on fire, and he was actually shot at in, uh, in, in Iraq. And so he had to get out of that country fairly quickly and he had to leave everything behind. He had to leave his well-paid job. He had to leave family and friends and everybody else. And he ended up in, as a refugee in Jordan with nothing. And he came to some of our teaching and he heard this teaching on forgiveness. And as he came forward for prayer, um, I just gave him a hug. I just held him. He doesn't speak in very much English, and I only speak very, very limited Arabic. My Arabic is in, uh, consists of two words, shukra, which means thank you, and yezu, well, I think you can work out what that is. And as I held on to him, I just said shukra, shukra yezu. 
It's Jesus, by the way. And he just melted. He just absolutely melted. And the Holy Spirit was all over him. And he came to a place where he, he forgave the people who had driven him out of his country and taken, him, uh, taken everything away. And he was able to do something that we're going to be able to do uh, in a moment as well. And he took a little red disc and he nailed it to the cross as a sign of the fact that he's, he'd, got this, he'd done this forgiveness. And he said to me, my body feels as if it's full of electricity. This is through an interpreter. I said, that's the Holy Spirit. He says, I feel so light. I said, that's because all of that bitterness and hate and anger has gone out of you. And he was just filled with God and with his love. Fast forward 12 months from that moment, and Wizam is still in Iraq, and he gets a call from somebody in uh, who's now in Jordan, who was one of the instigators of all of the pain and sorrow. Before he had forgiven, Wizam's main desire was to go back to, Israel, back, back to Iraq to kill those who had done these very appalling things to him. And now he gets a phone call, having gone through this place of forgiveness from one of the men who was the instigator of all the things he'd done, who is currently in hospital in Amman in Jordan, needing help. And Wizam went and spent a week ministering to this guy in hospital who had caused all this pain to him. He was no longer in, under, under this man's control. He was no longer in a place where he held him. He was in a place where actually he had come to a place of forgiveness where he could go and actually minister to this guy. Jesus tells us, doesn't he, love your enemies and pray for those who hurt you. And this was an absolute demonstration of that but it may well be that that's such a dramatic story and it is it's remarkable there are many many more that we encounter when we go on mission but it just seems so beyond that it makes what we what we've got to contend with feel so small but actually let me just tell you a little bit about my story when i was about eight or nine years old my mum and dad split up my dad went and had an affair with uh, with, with with somebody and left myself and my mum and my younger brother for a woman who had two boys, one a year younger than me, one a year younger than my brother. Basically, he abandoned us and just left us. And there was one time we used to go and see him on a Saturday, and we'd just have to go and play with these two boys. But, you know, we weren't actually seeing him at all. He'd sit and read the paper and watch the telly. And so one day he came to take us, and I said, I don't want to go and play with you, you, those, those children. I want to play with my friends. And he stormed out saying, well, you, if you want to see me again, then you ring me. And to be honest with you, I didn't. And I didn't see him for 10 years. But then his mum died and he actually came round to our house and asked whether or not I would go to the funeral. And I said, yes, of course, I'll be there. And then sometime later, I'd, be, I'd become a Christian by, the, by this time. And um, I just held so much unforgiveness against my dad for all that he'd done to me and my brother, for all the impact that it had upon my life and the way that I was. I, I, I was a very, uh, I felt I grew up very quickly, missed out on childhood because I thought I had to be the man of the house and all sorts of pressures that shouldn't have been on a young child at that moment. And so uh, he said, would you want to come and see us later on? He'd lived near Shrewsbury, so we went up and see him. And I thought, I'm going to show you. So I, I didn't call him dad, I called him by his name. I called him Ray, that'll teach him. Did it teach him? 
Well, I got back home. I didn't really sleep at all that night because the conviction of the Lord came upon me. What am I trying to prove by holding on to that anger and that unforgiveness and that bitterness? Was I, was I making a difference? Did it make any difference to him? Was it hurting me? It absolutely was hurting me. And I knew that I needed to come to a place where I actually let go of that and brought it before the cross. And again, it took some time. It took some time because of the depth of the hurt, but God is faithful and he is good. And he actually leads us to a place where we can find that forgiveness. So when we come to him, there's a couple of things that we need to do. First of all, we need to acknowledge the, the, the reality of the pain that have been, has been done to us. And say, and just, just, just acknowledge that. Because if we try and pretend it hasn't happened, or try and forget it, then that's not going to happen. That just won't work. Secondly, we need to ask for forgiveness for basically allowing that to have so much of a hold over us. And then we need to hand over judgment of what has happened and that person to Jesus at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, I choose to give you. This is crushing the life out of me. But Lord, I know that you have dealt with it on the cross. And then we just pray for the, his Holy Spirit to come and to cleanse and heal us. And we might need to do that, say, on a regular basis until such time as the choice that we've made in our will becomes something that's sealed in our heart through his spirit and through his love. So what I'd like us to do, yeah, would you, would you, if you're able, would you please stand? This is the means, this is, this is Jesus on the cross as the means by which, by which we, we, we are forgiven. It's through his spirit that we are, we acknowledge again that he has restored us. It's a way of recognising the true extent of what Jesus, the lengths that Jesus went to so that we might know Freedom. The fact that Jesus came and died, the sinless one, came and bore the weight of our pain and sorrow and grief on the cross. So what we do, and we do this all over the world, is as a way of saying, Lord, I'm giving this to you, we take a little red disc and a little nail out of the, out of the pot and nail it to the cross. It's a symbolic way of sealing something that we've been able to do to let go of. And what I'd like to do is, I'm going to pray, and then I'll ask the group to play, just some background worship music. And if you're, if, if you're able, and you'd like to do that, just as we've been speaking, to hand it over to him, to give it over to him, just as a start, to say, yes, Lord, I give this to you. I'd like to invite you to come and nail a disc into the cross too. Is that okay? I'm going to lay this down. I'll just show you.
So I'd like to pray. If you want to come into an attitude of prayer. Lord, I want to say thank you that you bore our sin, our sorrow, the weight of the pain of every foul and despicable thing that has ever been done to us or that we've done ourselves. Lord, thank you that you took what happened to us so seriously that you went to the cross to bear it. And it's not about pretending that things haven't happened because you know that they did. It's not about us trying to make amends because we know that we can't. It's not about us trying to sort of manufacture something or or do something on our own because, Lord, you invite us into your grace and your mercy to be able to take those things from us. Lord, for some of us, it is praying that prayer, Lord, would you make me willing to be willing to forgive? So for you right now, it may well be that that, that moment or, or that thing is just, it's just, you've been reminded of it again. And we say, Lord, we choose to place this person, this situation at the foot of the cross for you to judge. But this person is no longer has the right to have any control over us whatsoever. And we say, come Holy Spirit. Come Lord Jesus. Bring your healing, bring your love, we pray. Amen. So just as the, the group start to play, it's the word, say there'll be, be opportunity for worship, can I invite you to come and begin this journey of forgiveness?